Alright, so everybody, here's the out intro right now, because welcome back to the second season of the Pro Wrestling Fan Vlog Podcast. Yay! <laughs> um, I think we're really getting in, I'm trying to get in as much episodes as I can. And without further ado, I want to sh- talk to you guys about something that you guys will love to hear about. Alright, to start off with, I want to share you guys this. This is a woman goes by the name of Chrissy. Apparently, she it's even on our Twitter account says, "Do not judge me before you know me." But to just inform you, you won't like me. Uh, apparently, I guess what she's trying to say is she is actually an employee of an AEW. Anyway, she shares this. Anyway, she shares a t- she tweeted out something that Vicky Guerrero ended up retweeting at her, and. This is what happened. Chrissy says, I want to thank every, I want to say how happy I am to work with the best team at AEW. We had a successful fan fest with only a few hiccups. If the fan only knew full people to pull that together, they would be mind blown for sure. And I guess Sheen Hagedorn, which I'm very shocked uh, that he's working in AEW. You. Hmm. Wonder if wonder if Tony Khan knows about the Kings of Wrestling <laughs> and Shane Hagedorn and Sarah Dillery. Uh-oh. This might be something. Anyway, she tagged in Shane Hagedorn. She also tagged in uh Jake Mannon and 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 apparently uh oh jeez, who am I thinking of? Oh, I th- oh yeah, Matt Hart, uh, Matt Jack, Matt uh, Matt Jackson's wife as well, and she also I guess she uh, E Shane Hagador, Jake Manning, and uh, Matt Jackson's wife uh, pulled w- working together to make sure the fan fest as went in, and then of course she also says here. I want to personally thank the at the J at the Lethal J J Lethal, and for pulling in staff at last minute. At Vicky Guerrero dealing with my highs and lows all weekend. At legit Leah, my job does suck, but I couldn't help my kept my sanity without you. Much love and respect to the entire AEW locker room. So <laughs> that's very nice. So I guess. What it is, 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 and of course, Vicky did respond to her and says, Love you, sister. You are a huge part of the fitting brought pieces together. Make our event a success. I am here to lend an ear, give a hug, or place me at a table. I'm your woman. Aww. Anyway, if you guys don't know what happened, I guess they had a fan, and I guess they have their annual fan fest, including, because I thought there was like, a lot of things. And I guess for uh, Chrissy, she works... I guess what happened was she must have not doing so good and she was worried and scared. But she had trusted uh, also Jay Lethal, Vicky Guerrero, and Layla Hirsch to be there for her, I guess you could say. Now, I know some of you guys are going to say to me, Well, Lindsay, what about all the things Jay Lethal did in the past? Yeah, like, he already was cleared for that. He didn't do anything wrong. 
And I'm sorry if you don't see it that way. <sighs> so anyway, I'm surprised that Shane Hagedorn is now working for AEW. <laughs> if you guys don't know much who Shane Hagedorn is, because, <laughs> well, of course you don't know, um, because you don't spend to the Ring of Honor history. Uh, how do I explain much about Shane? Uh, Shane was a manager for the Kings of Wrestling. That's Chris Hero, Claudio Castagnoli, and, you, and of course, the Queen of Wrestling herself, Sarah Del Rey. Um, so, in other words, Sarah... Yeah, in other words, Shane managed all three of them. And he's also occasionally did wrestle. Um, that that six-man tag team match that he was... In fact, he was involved in a six-man tag team match with, uh, with the... With the with uh, the Kings of Wrestling, so yeah, and so in other words, he teamed up with Chris Hero and Claudia Castagnoli, and sure enough, uh, Shane really, I mean, Shane knows how to wrestle. <laughs> I mean, but I'm surprised that now he's doing, I guess, better being in AEW, and even though I do care much about things and you know whatnot. But I know, we should, and of course, uh, it's really kind of crazy about hearing this, you know? Anyway, speaking about, uh, I guess speaking about Claudia Castanoli, I haven't heard much. The only thing that happened was I know he shared, and, uh, what was shared by, uh, Austin Creed was about their time together. Now, I'm still, I, I'm still not sure how to perceive this. Um, I know most of you guys are wondering, when, where, when are we going to see Claudio Castagnoli again? I have no idea. The only thing I just know is that, that um, it's very much shocking to say the least. And I don't know how to say this. I mean, I mean, a lot of you guys are probably concerned about what's been going on within, uh, with, going on within AEW, but, and then, of course, and WWE, but, you know, things happen. But when Claudio being released, I, I, that was just really made me upset and angry. So, anyway. So that's the last thing I had heard from. Now, I don't know. I mean, because the last thing he posted was on February 5th. And that's about it. I mean, he hasn't posted anything on his secondary Instagram account, which is uh, where he travels the coffee shops around the world. So... Yeah, so I don't know what is the situation is still. I mean, of course, I guess we're waiting until he until he will resurface again. Now I'm still questioning about what Drew uh, Galloway had just said about uh about uh, about about the uh, sorry. But what he said about Claudio Castanoli, because that's t like personal information, and I don't want to throw Drew a freaking bone here or criticize him. Well, actually, I kind of did, 
what I'm just trying to say is, I don't know how much it is that what Drew is saying could be factual. I, and no offense, Drew, but you're a good wrestler, and and I will say uh, stuff about this, but, you know, it is what it is. So, anyway, that's what it is to say about. <laughs> so, yeah, that's I'm going to summarize. Now, I don't... Yeah, that's about it. Okay, here's something that everybody should be hearing from. Actually, I should have... Sh I'm going to give a little shout-out to the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, uh, Shawn Michaels, who is uh, muchly in charge of the uh, NXT, as you can tell. Anyway, he shared something that I couldn't believe what I saw. So I guess this is somewhat of a match result. That I guess something went down on NXT. Apparently, what happened was Braun Breaker ended up defending the NXT title against Tommaso Ciampa and Dolph Ziggler. And my word, I am stunned by this. So I know, wondering who won. Well, you can thank Shawn Michaels for sharing this. This it turns out. Dolph Ziggler won. Oh, and he's not alone. I guess Bobby Roode is with him. <laughs> anyway, uh, Joe Michaels reacted saying, you can't argue the fact that at, you can't argue the fact at, he, at Heel Ziggler, which is Dolph Ziggler's Twitter account, is talented. And now you can't argue the fact he is the NXT champion. Wow, and what a main event. I'm like, okay, Sean, this is really uh, awkward, to say the least. I know what you guys are saying. How would Dolph Ziggler winning, and why is Shawn Michaels praying to him? I have no idea, but this is ridiculous and embarrassing. Sorry, but I'm going to go out there and defend him. <laughs> Even though he's supposed to be on the Raw brand as... And, and, but somehow he weaseled his way to, uh, et weaseled himself on NXT. And which, by the way, I find it so awkward and so ridiculous that he's doing this. Yes. Especially because, <laughs> ooh, I see why. <laughs> I wonder why. But this is, but I'm going to say that this is really bad because, if you don't know, I don't know why, but Dolph Ziggler winning <laughs> winning the NXT Championship when you couldn't have done that when he was still performing under Florida Championship Wrestling. If you didn't know, uh, Dolph Ziggler did win the uh, did win something when he was wrestling in Florida Championship Wrestling. <coughs> Was the Florida the tag team championship, which he won with? Uh, I guess that's not right. Uh oh. Uh oh.
This is NFL This is NFL player. This right? No. Yeah. Oof. I don't know if that's his tag team partner. It says Brad Allen, but gave me some weird person. Oh, and... Oh, are you kidding me? He, Dolph Ziggler was tag champions with Sean Spears? Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> oh, jeez. And, of course, let's not forget, uh, besides that, oh, there's more than that. Let me read off Dolph Ziggler's career hair <laughs> highlights. Besides being besides being the current NXT champion, he's been World Heavyweight Champion two times, United States Champion two times, six-time Intercontinental Champion, SmackDown Tag Team Champion with Robert Roode, well, and also he's been Raw Tag Team Champion with Robert Roode and Drew Go Wait. And not to mention the time he was also World Tag Team Champion, but with, uh, with, uh, <laughs> uh, J Johnny Jeter, <laughs> uh, Ken and, uh, Doen, <laughs> good grief. Mike Mondo. <laughs> and. Oops. Hold up. And. Uh. Nick Mitchell. <laughs> How. I know what you're saying. Who the heck is those guys? Well, if you guys don't know about Ziggler's past, <laughs> uh, if you guys didn't know, he was he was once he once was part of a uh, weird stable called the Spirit Squad, and I nearly almost laughed my butt off when I saw these guys. But I didn't expect that of all five of them, one of them emerged like the best, and that's. Freaking Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> and not the, not to mention he's won the Money in the Bank, Bank, Bank ladder match. He's the twenty second Triple Crown champion. Mm -hmm. He won two Slammies, which is best Twitter handle of the handle of social champion <laughs> because of his Twitter handle, and also mentioned a year, which is Team Cena versus Team Authority at Survivor Series. Which I don't know who's signing what he's on. Probably, I don't know. Let me look. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> of course, Dolph Ziggler decides to be on uh, Team Cena. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
<laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's because of what happened. If you guys don't know about this, it was a five-on-five survivor series. You're fired. Winner takes all. Animation match, and it says here Team Cena, which is John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowe, in who is now just Eric Redbeard in AEW. Uh. <laughs> Big Show and Ryback, who oh, good grief, defeated Team Authority, which is Seth Rollins, Kane, Luke Harper, Mark Henry, and Rusev, with Jamie Noble, Joey Mercury, La, well, C, Lana, Stephanie Man, and Triple H. Yeah, Rusev, or now known as Miro. <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> the one and only Miro. Sorry, I just don't want to be mean, but <laughs> yep, he's fun. Miro from Bulgaria. <laughs> oh, yeah, Donna separate your plates, and it's yeah. It was a five-on-five Survivor Series. Your five. Winner takes all elimination match. Since Team Authority lost the lost, the authority was removed from power. Triple H was fired as COO. Kane was fired as director of operations, and Stephanie Ann was fired as one of the principal owners of WWE. Had Team Cena lost, Cena's teammates, but not Cena himself, would have been fired. <laughs> so, in other words, they were fighting. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Even though I find it funny that uh, that happened, and even though now we uh, we know that uh, out of all of these, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care about Ryback. Big Show still is now be just using his real name. He is now working in uh, AEW. Oh, and. Uh, and so well as Eric Rowan, now just Eric Redbeer. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he's been tag team champion a couple of times. Actually, if I count, um, I guess including the Florida Championship Wrestling, he's the uh, what two, three, four, five. Six time, he's a six. He's been he won the tag team title six different times. It's crazy, especially Tim Team. No. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's crazy, man. <laughs> crazy. Also, there's some other tweets. I guess um, the women's dust. The uh the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic for the women had just went completely off the core for the tournament. And Shawn Michaels says, This has been an amazing Dusty Classic tournament. Proud of the entire division and ready for the finals. What does he mean by? Well, apparently, there are... Um, how many tag teams there are? One, two... Wait. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight. So there are eight, eight tag teams, teams, and now they're down to the final two tag teams. So what happened? So we had. So the finals are Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu versus Ayo Shawari and Katie Lee Ray. So I guess what happened was, uh, what happened was, uh, Ayo Shawari and Katie Lee Ray defeated, um, Amari Miller and Lash Ledge and, and then they, and, uh, Katie Katzenzaro and Kaden Carter defeated Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. And then next, what happened was Ayo Shawari and Katie Leary defeated Kate C. Katzenzaro and Kaden Carter. Meanwhile, <coughs> uh, Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu defeated Indy Hartwell and Persia Pitoria. Uh, uh, and Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez defeated uh Yus Lisa uh Leon and Valentina Ferraris Ferraz. Um then uh Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu defeated Cora Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. So yeah. No, I know most of you guys are he's are like confused, like, what, huh? What? Yeah, I know it's kinda crazy, but I mean, the weirdest part about this is you have, it's really kind of, it's really kind of crazy. I mean, let me explain. You have, you have, uh, I don't know, Kaylee, I gotta do some extensive details, but you have Ayo Shawari, who's a Japanese wrestler. Wendy Chu is a, um, I think she's Chinese American, I would say. I don't want to offend it, but you can say that it is. But I think she's mostly Asian American, but I would say at least Chinese. Uh, even though it's really kind of ridiculous. Now let me look up Dakota Kai and and Katie Lee Ray. I think Katie. Let me make sure. Kaylee Ray, Katie, not Katie. K. Sorry, K. Lee Ray. Um. She is a Scottish professional wrestler. Here, Kaylee Ray, and uh, the Kai is from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, so you have a New Zealander and a <laughs> an American and. And taken on against a Scottish and Japanese wrestler. <laughs> yes, if you guys don't know, Ayo Shirari is in fact is originally from Japan, and and twenty <laughs> two. Good grief! Which is in about showing me this. <sighs> Karen Q. Which I don't like this. But, jeez, I don't have a Wikipedia page for her? Uh-oh. Yeah, so...
and which is really kind of awkward. Can't believe they also show me this, but they give me the pro pro wrestling fandom. <laughs> anyway, it explains about what she about her her history. And the reason why I figured out that she is... Yeah, it says here she's Chinese-American. Yep. And apparently, if you guys didn't know, um, I guess something must have also happened, because... When she was in... I don't know. I guess something had to do with... eight. And let me see something from WWE. Um. Oh, of course. Um. So if you guys know much about uh uh the the sleepy head Wendy Chu. Um, first of all, yeah, I was right. She is Chinese American because I because I seen posts from that. Um, apparently, she was actually used to wrestle in. Um, she did appear in Impact Wrestling, but she was she appeared in Ring of Honor as well, and she wrestled at different independent wrestling promotions. And mostly, famously, that I know of, like, um, let's see, Game Changer Wrestling, um, Beyond Wrestling, I do know, I guess Rise Wrestling, yeah, I heard of it, yeah, Ring of Honor, which is now under <laughs> Toycon, Jesus, uh, and of course, Impact Wrestling. So, if you guys didn't know, um, when she, and she was, and while she was wrestling on the, I guess most of those, she did wrestle as Karen Q. Ew. However, she did make her debut in WWE, where she lost to Zia Lee. And the funny thing is, she ended up, up, <laughs> being the boss lady. <laughs> Oh, Zia Lee. Oh, and, and Zia Lee, she's, she's actually, she's a Chinese wrestler. And she's been, and her boss is a Chinese American. <laughs> it's funny. Because <laughs> it says here in December 2020, cameras were packaged as Mei Ying, the mysterious leader of Tian Sha with Zia Li and Big Boa. <laughs> and that backfired, and now she got repackaged as now Wendy Chu. A woman who's just tired. You know, this is much of disgrace ace for her. But even though despite she will be wrestling in even though she wrestles in pajamas and a nice night night and a, and a uh and one of those night masks where you cover your eyes which I still didn't get. But uh she still 
dressed nicely. And, oh, oh, and by the way, Wendy, yeah, uh, also Wendy got married, which apparently she did invite Zia <laughs> after things backfired yeah, for uh, everybody because Zia was called up. And I was glad that happened for her. So, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so, hey, everybody. I just found out, I guess, through Twitter that AEW is now two more signees. Who are they? Oh, Jeff Hardy and Paige Van Zat. <laughs> yeah, apparently, a, uh, Matt Hardy's brother is. Free from his 90-day no-complete cause, he showed up on AEW Dynamite tonight, at which he saved his brother, because what happened was, uh, Andrade a El Idolo, uh, ended up retraining, uh, Matt Hardy, and he had the rest of the Hardy family office betray him! And because of that, uh... I guess Darby Allen, Sting were right out there, and I think probably Zan Punk. So as Matt was about to be, I guess, viciously attacked, his brother showed up, saved him, and guess what? Uh, um, apparently they have a new entrance, and now they have now that they're together again, they have their new they have a entrance video. It's it's their same music but with a new video, and. This explains what what uh, Matt Hardy's wife Reby was up to. I was on uh it I was on her I was on TikTok uh this morning and I see Reby posted was uh she was vi she was shooting uh video f oh, oh on the road for her husband and her brother-in-law and I was wondering what the heck is up to. So when uh Shout out to Dr Draven, who's uh, who's took out uh, wrestling covers. Uh, shared that there was was for a new for the new video. I was like, okay, that explains everything. What Ruby almost did, and almost did, what she shared on TikTok, because uh, she almost got herself she almost hurt got herself hurt. hurt. She was out there with, I guess jeans, claw. Not Crocs. Crocs. She's out there in jeans, Crocs, a t-shirt, and having a camera, and she's filming her husband and her brother-in-law. They're on the road, and I guess it turns out it was part for the uh, entrance entrance video. So I'm just glad for Rebe is safe, and now we know why. <laughs> I. So if yeah, if you guys don't know, um, there are some people who do filming for uh, for any of the wrestlers. Like for example, if you haven't seen, if you've seen uh, one of Lance Hoyt's promos, it was filmed actually. I don't know, not with uh, Jake Roberts, but he has somebody who filmed him like when he was like over the fire, and that was by. Uh, by my friend, uh, Crystal. I don't know why I call her friend. It's like we never met. Sorry. Uh, Crystal's husband, uh, Steve Wright. He filmed, um, the promo. Oh. 
I think that was for at least for New Japan, but I think he also did one for AEW. So, and now I know Rebe's been, and now I understand what Rebe was up to. Because when she posted the story, she said, oh, it's up in for a little bit later. I'm like, okay. Didn't realize it was her husband and her and her brother-in-law's uh, entrance in this video. So apparently it's also on the uh, AEW YouTube channel. And I'm surprised now uh, America's Top Teens, Paige Van Zet is now part of All Elite Wrestling. I guess she had her first match. And guest press Tony Khan. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Oh, and also there's something else. Uh, TNT has now a new champion. <laughs> the TNT Championship belt has now is in the hands of Scorpio Sky, and I'm just glad to say, finally, I was hoping it was going to be somebody, or I really wanted to see Kip Sabian win the title, oh. but I was glad it's Scorpio Sky, and actually, now I have to go see if, if uh, <laughs> if, if, uh, TNT changed their Twitter, <laughs> the split Pure Bottle and says Scorpio Sky is our champion. Yep, <laughs> knew it. <laughs> the Biles is in the bio. <laughs> Love you too, TNT. Love you too. <laughs> uh, so, if you guys don't know, if you follow TNT and TBS on uh on Twitter. It or, or despite their whatever's on show, um, their bio says it's so for TNT. It, it's depending on who's the champion. As much as I can say for <laughs> the TBS championship. Anyway, um, sorry. So anyway, where was I? So yeah, so I'm glad Scorpio Sky won. Now, I think I also found out that uh, Thunder Rosa is gonna go after Doctor Baker, or so. Hopefully, we'll see that. Anyway, so yeah, that's much about something of I could think of. I mean, I mean, sure enough, there are some other things as well going on. But what I'm just finding out is yes. What happened on AEW Dynamite went down. So there you go. <laughs> okay, um... I don't know how I'm going to speak about this, because I want to address a couple of wrestling stuff. And first of all, there's something that is very much questionable. And it says here, somebody took a quote saying, and from a top e AEW star, and it says here we just effing didn't like each other. Top AEW star had major backstage H with Triple H in WWE. It's from the website Sports Skeeda. and sometimes I may have to question about this because I don't know. And this is here in this article. It says here Triple H has been with. 
studied since 1995. That is true. And it is known as the fact that the cerebral assassin has not have been the best of relationship with all his former colleagues over the over the years. Chris Jericho recently opened about his backstage heat with the 14-time world champion from his early days with WWE. And it says here, uh, the person who written this article, uh, Leonard Surado, says, As we have covered earlier, Jericho was moved from the WrestleMania 2000 main event and believes that his issues with Triple H might have influenced Duddy's creative change. He stated that his heat with Triple H stemmed from multiple reasons and there was a time when they both legitimately hated each other. Triple H had a lot of power behind the scenes in WWE and he might have used his pull to stun Aunt Chris Jericho's rise in the WWE. Here's what Jericho said on the Kurt Angle show. And this is an expert to understand. There was a lot of politics at that time. And when I say this, it's not from a bitter point of view or an angry point of view. It was just the way it was. So to come in and there was a lot of legit heat between Hunter and myself. It involved China. It involved a little bit of X-Pac as well, but Hunter and I didn't like each other. And I think Hunter had such pull at the time, such power, that he, that if he didn't like me. Of course, even if he's not going out of his way to bury me, to vent, I'm sure every time my name come came up, he would go, Okay, oh, that guy, come on. It was just... It was kind of the way the business worked all the time worked at the time. So I I think that might have to do with a lot uh, that so I think that might have have had a lot to do with that. It says here Chris Jericho was still a rev- relatively new name when he joined Vince McMahon's company in nineteen ninety nine and he did attract negative backstage due to its WCW past. The former AEW world champion said that he could sense the growing tensions with Triple H and held them responsible for his unsatisfaction position within WWE at the time. I think that was the probably one of the reasons, and once again, I'm not saying I heard heard this. I just can tell. I can read the room. The past that we had at Clarified Jericho. Oh, we're cool now, but at the time, we just effing didn't like each other. It didn't work. So, that had a lot to do with my standings of where I was at the time. And it's this year also Chris Jericho and why backstage politics did not impact Kurt Angle's WWE career. Yeah. And it's this year Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho rose through the ranks around the same time in WWE and the Olympic gold medalist successfully navigate through all the politics. Jericho explains that Angle's 
was not viewed as a danger in certain circles backstage as the Olympic hero would always abide to the company's orders. Unlike Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho would contest Denny's decisions and put forth his own ideals, a trait that the promotion's influential people didn't like. Actually, I wish people stopped saying in promotions, this company's really... All of us went through it. I think you, Kurt Angle, even went through it a little bit, too. But you always came across. I'm sure you were, but you didn't come across as political, stated Jericho. You said you were very new to the business, and you were very likable, and you had the legit street cred. So I think you were never a danger because they knew that whatever we told Kurt, he would do it. And if we tell Jericho something, he might question it. Meaning, if we want to do this the way, let's try to work this way, it might work better. And they didn't like that. Some guys didn't like that at the time. So I got really hammered a lot at first because of that. Chris Jericho said that he always stood for what's right and the same quality has enabled him to get him to have a lengthy career which is still active as this writing in AEW. So my thoughts about this is, is this really... I mean, this sounds really weird, and especially even though Triple H is kind of trending. I don't know why or how. I mean, maybe because of that. So, I see, that's what it is, because stinking uh, BT Sports is causing the controversy trending. I wonder what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so that's much to explain for that part. <laughs> okay, um, I also want to read you guys in something that really caught my eye, and that is... Uh, legit Layla Hirsch. What happened was, um, I think ever since the, uh, excuse me, I think ever since the, uh, ridiculous, uh, slander towards Layla because of somebody, some verified jerk decides to bully about this. And there might be some others, I don't know, but when I found out from my source, there was one. Anyway, Layla's made a tweet about this, and she says, My statement regarding the situation involving Russia and Ukraine. I wanted to make something very clear. I stand with Ukraine 100%, and my heart breaks for its citizens who are suffering in the hands of Vladimir Putin. I was born in Russia. I came to the United States at eight years old and became an American citizen. I cannot change my heritage any more than any other citizen can, 
and theirs. The mere fact that I was born in Russia doesn't mean that I support this brutal dictator. Everyone who would even suggest a thing is simply wrong, plain and simple. And which I can't, which I do agree. And apparently, um, Leila got some love uh, from everybody. Um, Ruckus sent uh, heart emojis. Uh, <laughs> he finally now verified. Darius Martin in the top flight says 100%. Um, Lady False. Fro- Lady Frost says, it's saying that you even have to make this statement. And, uh, Bates got give hearts to her, hearts to hearts emojis. Um, actually, somebody asked about this and says, were people suggesting this? I'm so sorry, this is really unfair. Keep being awesome, somebody says. Another person says, people assumed since her gear was basically the Russian flag, she supported them. Internet's going to internet. (laughs) Which the first person says, anyone that that paid attention knows she's always worn gear like that, though. And they, the second person says, you're asking Twitter for nuisance. That's, that is your mistake. And somebody else types, types so many times and says, true, I did that once, never again. In other words, um, I can't blame him. I can't blame these people. I mean, seriously. Uh, <laughs> good old Blue Meanies gives, uh, pound emojis. Um, another Twitter user who respond to her says, "You are strong, passionate, resilient, thoughtful, and compassionate, and your story is part of who you are and is worth celebrating, just as any of our stories are for us. You didn't have to make this post, but it's lovely that you did." Uh, somebody else says, "Sorry if you're being getting flack for this. It's unfair and uncalled for. Best to you and continued success," which I have to agree. And apparently she's getting a lot of support for this. And I have to agree with her. I mean, it's because of one person would have to act so terrible. I mean, I don't know if it might be more than one, but if that's so, oh, you know, those people are not really wrestling fans. I'm just going to say that, you know, if you're going to be a wrestling fan and you're going to start be I would say it's somewhat of a part criticized but also be littering of of somebody just because of the ring gear or I mean you don't I don't think you should do that if Layla wants to you know have the Russian flag is a ring gear or so be it it's nothing I have to say that she supports the the their, the country's most brutal leader. I shouldn't say leader. Um, that doesn't mean she does. Yes, I mean, maybe even though I would suggest that, I'm hoping maybe uh, Sandra Gray can help whip a new ring ring gear for her, which I hope. So, because 
you know, and if you, and if you want me to, uh, you know what I'll do, if I can, I think I'll try to draw something out of it and make sure something will feel better for Layla. Maybe something more paying homage to her, her country, but at the same time also her, her country where she lives, because that way, I don't know, I'm just suggesting things. But I feel awful that she got brutal that she was getting brutally attacked by this. But anyway, hey, that was pretty shocking. All right, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna also decide to share you guys something, and that is another article from the Players Tribune. This time, it's written by our boy Sting. And which the article is titled "The Man They Call Sting," and and I guess this is about Sting summarizing his whole entire career in this article. Uh, and by the way, shout out to Mega Ray and the uh, rapper, uh, who's very much a fan of pro wrestling. Uh, he shared this article on Twitter, so I had a chance to look at this. So, anyway, let's begin, shall we? <sighs> From the words of Sting, the man they call Sting. I'm dangling out of a helicopter. I'm 100 feet in the air, hanging by a rope harness. This is March 1998, the height of the NWO versus WCW area. I'm in the crow sting face paint. Usually I'd be sitting way up in the rafters of the arena, brooding, not saying a word. That then at then at the end of the show I come repelling down from the ceiling to give the bad guys a proper greeting with my black baseball bat. <laughs> But this time, it's a little bit different. This time, we're in Panama Beach for a special spring break edition of Nitro. And there is no raptors. There's no roof. They put on the whole show uh, at an outdoor beach right in the middle of all the spring bank. Spring break madness. So there's no way that Sting is coming down from the heavens to haunt that end of yo tonight, right? <laughs> Shivani is selling it. Bishop is selling it. Hogan is selling it. He's on the microphone taunting the fans. There's no way Sting is showing up tonight, brother. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, I, I don't know why. I felt like hearing... I don't know why I said that. It almost felt me sound like I'm almost all like Hogan. Freaking Hulk Hogan. Nah, screw him. I'm gonna be the girl Kira. <laughs> anyway, continuing <laughs> on this thing says, That's right. When the helicopter starts circling the ring, the wind starts to pick up and everyone's hair starts to blowing. Bishop literally flies out of the ring and 10,000 people look up in the sky at the same time. It's the bud. It's a plane. It's Sting. <laughs> uh. 
it's stay I can't stay <laughs> actually it's like it clip was being played. Uh and there go down goes Eric Bischoff. <laughs> on, And I never forgot that feeling, that sound. The helicopter starts descending. I'm slowly rappelling down to the ring. And Hogan and Macho Man are the size of peanuts. And they're pointing up to the sky in disbelief. The roar of the fans is coming up. And the roar of the helicopter blades is coming down. And it was like all the sound met in the middle. And I couldn't even hear myself think. Uh, <laughs> I feel like a real life superhero, even in the Marvel movies. If you're Captain America, there's a stunt double, right? There's CGI. There's no live audience, and it's losing our minds. But I actually got to wear the cape. I actually got to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> I had money, I had fame, I had power, and I had an amazing family waiting for me at home. I had every, every earthly thing you could ever want. And you know what? I was completely and utterly miserable. I was spiritually empty. I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I was an addict. The only t time I was sober was... When I was doing my job, the other 20-something hours of the day, it was steady diet of painkillers, muscle relaxers, and booze. A never-ending cycle. <coughs> it was only a matter of time before I was dead. I knew it. But the physical and mental addiction to the opioids was so intense at that point that stopping was unthinkable. And it says here, which is, I don't know, I guess there might be a quote. Oh, uh, quote. All right. So, anyway, continue on. I, and even though it's, it's mentioned here, it says here, Sting's continue where Sting says, I remember I got back to the hotel after that spring break nitro and after all the back slaps and the beers with the boys and all the talk about the ratings and how great we all were. I went to my room alone. I couldn't sleep. I tossed and turned. I just feel this total darkness and emptiness and despair. At two or three in the morning, I remember going into the bathroom and looking at myself in the mirror for a long time, and I thought, you're an addict. You're a liar. Why can't you stop taking these pills? Why do you feel so empty inside? Why, 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 why? God, I don't know if you're out there, but I need help. I don't want to die. Please, please help me. This was not supposed to be my life. Until I was 22 years old, I have no idea what pro wrestling was. For some reason, we didn't get it on our local TV stations. But I came of age at the height of the bodybuilding er era in the early 80s. Arnold, Pumping Iron, Gold Gym in Venice Beach, all that stuff. So after high school, I was trying to be a bodybuilder myself. And I was kind of 
aimless. I was bouncing at a bar in Hollywood around and around 84. I ended up managing in the sister gym of Gold's Gym, Venice Beach, out in the San, Fer- San, Fernando, San Fernando Valley. <laughs> it was... It's almost impossible to explain that we're... That... Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, my tongue's starting to die. Um, where were we? Alright, right, as Singh says here, it's almost impossible to explain that era to someone who wasn't there. We weren't drinking kale smoothies. Let's put it that way. Guys will go out into the parking lot and have a cigarette and then walk back in and squat 600 pounds. The bar is nearly bending in half. The whole gym is going crazy. Anyway, I was working the front desk and one day this guy, Rick Bassman, walks in and he got these three huge dudes with him. Rick asked me if he can put some posters around the gym. I think they literally, I think they literally said wrestlers wanted. I said, wrestlers? Like the Olympics? He said, no, no, pro wrestling. I'm putting together a team of four monsters. I want to train them up and get them into the WWF. I said, what's the WWF? <laughs> he thought I was joking. He says, you know, like Hulk. I said, Hulk, the big blonde guy who works out here sometimes. <laughs> oh, crud. And <laughs> Oh, jeez. So Sting actually already knew Hogan. <laughs> oh, jeez. The guy thought I was messing with him, but I truly had no clue. <laughs> oh, oof. I told him, sure, I he could put up the posters, no problem. But after a few weeks, nobody called him, and he still needed a fourth guy. So he came in again one day, and he said, Hey, what about you? I told him, no way. But he stayed on me, and eventually he convinced me to come to this WWF show at the old LA Sports Arena with him and uh, and the other three guys. He says, just come along, you'll see. Okay, sure. I'll have a few beers and then laugh. At that time, I didn't have much going on. Some friends had convinced me to go to a few auditions around Hollywood, and I actually had just got down to the final two for a goofy part in this little movie. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. The producer said and my look wasn't quite white, and the, and they went with the other guy. The little movie turns out to be Revenge of the Nerds. The goofy part was for Ogre. 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 I guess. I don't know. Anyway, as... We're getting ready to leave for this study of show. Rick says, here, put this on. He hands us four pairs of neon spandex pants and some gold gems muscle shirts. I guess he thought maybe we'd get noticed in the crowd by talent management or by Vince. Vince or who knows what. I don't know 
know if Vincent Kennedy McMahon would be there, but maybe. I mean, Glissett's father was like... <laughs> but yeah, he said what he said. We all just looked at each other and shrugged. So just picture few, four huge bodybuilders sitting in the crowd at this WF show, sipping on Cokes and eating popcorn in neon spandex like four total marks. You can laugh, but honestly, my life was never the same. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway, and I also tell you, besides that, I'm seeing um, they're apparently showing up photos of Sting that was taken for the article, mostly of what's going on in AEW. Yeah. Especially the, they took of one of him when he's putting his mask when he's putting his face paints on and Darby Allen is in the background, I guess, trying to talk to him. Um. Anyway, continuing on. Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik, Big John Studd. As soon as I heard the roar of the crowd, it was like magic. It wasn't like a football game. People were losing their minds. Halfway through the show, I turned to Rick and said, Okay, I get it. He said, You want to be a wrestler? I said, I want to be a wrestler. What's next? Well, it turns out what was next was poverty, paid, and about... 100,000 miles on my 83 T-Bird. Back in those days, wrestling was all about the territories. The regions were still carved up into smaller promotions, so you had to find a way <coughs> to get your tape to the boss of one of those regions. Well, we were so green that we didn't have a tape, so we mailed out packets of photos, like headshots you get taken all at the mall, except we were all oiled up and flexing. None of us had any training whatsoever, so Rick sent us this wrestling school that has been set up in a racquetball gym to learn the ropes from Red Basin. After a few weeks of getting tossed around and learning the most important lesson you can learn. Oh, this hurts. hurts. One of the guys just disappeared. He scattered to the wind, and we never heard from him again. Oof. The guy who kept showing up with me was this big monster from Atlanta, Georgia, named Jim Helwig. Six foot three, 200 pounds shredded. At the time, Rick found him. He was studying to be a chiropractor or something. He was a unique individual, to say the least. He could be so unbelievably intense, but I remember he had this dog uh, he bring everywhere with him. It was a big fluffy chow named Blueberry. <laughs> the dog was out of his mind, but Jim loved him. One minute, Jim would be pacing around the gym, doing his whole routine, veins popping out of his neck, turning himself purple with adrenaline, eyes bulging, almost snarling. The next minute, Jim's playing with this dog, doing little baby voices and everything. 
<laughs> and this is what Sting says. Boo-boo, hey, boo-boo, how is your doing tonight, Mr. Boo-berry? Do you want a treat? Do you want a treat, boo-boo? <laughs> oh, and he says here, years later, Jim went on to be the ultimate warrior. <laughs> yeah, the late ultimate warrior. He he treated his dog like crazy. <laughs> I guess that was practice for him before he ended up becoming a dad. <laughs> Jim was actually staying at my house at the time. He and Bluebeard, much to my charging, we had sent out these packets everywhere. I think we even sent some to Japan. Never heard anything back. Finally, one day, out of the blue, my phone rings. I pick up, and it's Jerry Jarrett. He was the boss of the old CWA out in Memphis. I muffled the end of the phone like you used to do do in this days and I whispered Jim Jim it's Cherry Jarrett Jim runs to runs into the other room to pick up the other line so you can sit here. Jerry says I got this picture of you boys here and I like what I see but we got a problem. I said yes sir what's the problem? He says well there's four of you I only want two. Ooh. I said, okay, which two do you want? I can hear Jim breathing in, into the phone. There's a long pulse. Our lives are hanging out the balance. No big deal. Uh, the two fellows on the left. It was me and Jim. I said, you're talking to them. What now? You got a car? Jerry said, sorry. I said, you're now talking to them. What now? Jerry said, you got a car? I said, yes, sir. He said, good, because you're going to need it, son. The next day, me and Jim got into my car and started driving east. Wrestling fans always ask me what Jim was like in real life. I only know, the, I only, I only know one way to answer that. Jim Helwig wasn't the ultimate warrior. The ultimate warrior was Jim Helwig. For a year, we drove around every small town in the South and wrestled nearly every day. It was if it was a taping, we get twenty five bucks. If not, who knows? You hope for a fiver, or sometimes there was no, sh there was no shower, or no dressing room at all. Not even the sink. An old timer would come around, um, with a bucket of rubbing alcohol, and you would hold your nose and pray that it wouldn't save you from a staph infection. Or you wrestled at some cow place in Texas and you'd be stepping through manure on the way to the ring. Inc. Five or six matches in, the mat would turn brown. Ew. Oh, jeez. On holidays, we would do two shows a night. We call it a double shot. Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, Easter Sunday, it didn't matter. You had to eat. And I hate to admit this, but at one point, me and Jim were so broke uh, that we used to go into the grocery store and take one of those hot and ready rotisserie chickens from the deli counter and we put it in the front seat of the of the carts. We go down 
home. Yeah, let's do our shop, and one of us will keep a lookout while the other guy snuck bites out of the chicken. Then, when it was stripped to nothing but bones, we hide the box somewhere without paying it. I'm certainly not proud of it, but we are pretty desperate. Oh, jeez. Oh, poor Poor Sting. <laughs> I remember Jim would never shut up about Waffle House. He dream his dream was to get enough money to eat at a Waffle House every day. We'd be driving in the middle of nowhere, and he's telling me about how they put melted cheese and onions over the hash browns in a special way, and he's getting all worked up. Scattered, covered, and smothered, brother. It'll change your life. I'm a California kid, so I don't know what the heck he's talking about. He's got the neck veins popping out and saying, The first Waffle House we see, Steve. The first Waffle House we see, we're stopping. And you're going to see the power of the scattered, covered, and smothered. A lot of times of the time that T-Bird was or is her only address. <laughs> uh, and I guess in retrospect, it's kind of an incredible image. Sting and the Ultimate Warrior sleeping in the parking lot of some Waffle House in Oklahoma. But back then, we were just Flash and Justice. Two jobbers with a dream. We were broke and hungry and not very good at wrestling, to be honest. This business is so much more than painting your face and bleaching your hair. And we had no idea about the physiology and pacing and storyline that draws people in and makes a match come alive. I'll never forget Jerry Jarrett coming up to me one night after a rough match and said, Well, I'm going to have to finish you boys up. I said, Finish us up? What does that mean? And he said, It means you're done here, but don't worry. I like you boys. I'll make sure you land somewhere. He got us a spot in the UWF out of Louisiana, which was about low as you go and still technically get paid but after a year together me and Jim went our separate ways so that's when I transformed into Sting. I remember my fiance came out from California to visit me and we're driving on I-10 in Louisiana on our way to a show and for some reason I was just so beaten down. I saw the exit coming up and we were going 70 miles per hour heading west and I said you know what? This is crazy. The money sucks. I'm a nobody. We could just keep driving west on this highway and be back home in California in two days. I thought that for sure that's what she wanted to hear. She was a California girl. Her whole family was there. We were getting married in six months. She didn't know a thing about wrestling, but for some reason, and I still don't know why, she said, I don't know. Every time you go in the ring and you do your woo thing, I see a lot of people in the crowd uh, going woo right back, especially the kids. I think you're close. I think you have to keep going. If she didn't say those words at the moment, at 70 miles per hour, we don't take that exit. 
I don't become sting. None of this ever happens. But she said them. Hang on. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I see. That's who he's... Okay, I'm just looking into this. <sighs> yep. I think he's referring to his ex-wife from, from his first marriage. A few years later, after a lot of grinding, I had worked my way up to the National Wrestling Alliance. The crowds were a little bigger. The money was a little steadier, and then I'll never forget, Dusty Rhodes was the booker. The guy who could make you or break you, and he was standing in the gorilla position behind the curtain one night, and I was about to go out, and he said, Hey, Stinger, baby. Guess what? I said, What, Dusty? He said, Baby, I think. I'm going to put you with the nature boy. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to do that. Tomorrow night, you're wrestling Rick. I said, wait, I'm going to wrestle Flair? <laughs> he said, oh yeah, baby, so get ready. Get some, like, some color on your face. Get some color on your tights. Got some color on your boots, because... We're going to funk, you're going to get funky like a little monkey, if you will. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, apologies to both Dustin, wait, apologies to Dustin, Cody, Brandy, uh, <laughs> Tully, Dakota, uh, oh, and of course, uh, Liberty. Even though she'll, even though she'll have to wait until she's older, I'm sorry I mess around with the. Uh, <laughs> I try my best with the, uh, with the, uh, Dusty's personation. My best Dusty's impersonation. So, even though, though, this is about family. <laughs> anyway, it says here, continuing on. Sting says, at that time, Ric Flair was the king. I remember watching him do a promo, and he got on his diamond bezeled Rolex and his alligator shoes, and his neck veins are bulging, and his blonde hair is flopping. And he's talking about Lucy, Roddy, Jet Fly, Kiss Sealing, Wheelie Dealing, Son of a Gun, and... And he's saying with so much convention, con conviction, convincing, convincing that I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I think this guy believes what he's saying. It felt real. There was no off switch. He was living it. Honestly, it was one of the best lessons I ever learned in this business. When that mic is in front of your face, you have to mean it. 
good grief. <laughs> so when Dusty pulled, put me with Rick, I knew it was a chance of a lifetime. Immediately, there was this great chemistry between us. I remember the first time we squared off, I was in the ring, and Rick came down out with the four horsemen, and all decked out in tuxedos. They're arm in arm with a bunch of women. <laughs> Uh, we get into a showdown, and the whole thing ends with somebody throwing champagne in my face. It was perfect. The cat was on fire. Okay, so who did it? Was it Arn Anderson? And, or was it Tully Blanchard? <laughs> I, I think maybe... Uh, I don't know who did it, but... if uh, I'll, I'll laugh my butt off if Sting confronts Tully Blanchard, and he says, You... Threw that champagne in my face all these years ago, and I'm gonna get revenge. <laughs> uh, we ended up we end up having a 45 minute match at Clash of the Champions in '88, and it was the first time in a match ever went that long, commercial-free on cable television. You wrestled to a timelet draw, and it was like. The magic of the match somehow transmitted through the airways into people's living rooms because everything changed after that night. We drew a 7.1 rating on TBS, which was insane for that time because the power of cable TV, wrestling was, went from a regional thing into a whole national deal. All of a sudden, I start seeing all these kids showing up to a show with their faces painted like the stinger, and I'll never, then I'll never forget. I was walking through pit through the Pittsburgh area, sorry, Pittsburgh Airport, one day to catch a flight, and I saw Andre the Giant coming in the other way. He was going to some WWF show, and I was going my way. And we were crossing paths. I couldn't help myself. I said, hey, Andre. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my word. He did not say that. Oh, God. I was so worried that he would have no idea who I was. But immediately, immediately I felt like an idiot. But Andre looked down at me. And his face lit up, and he said, Hey, Sting, how you doing, boss? <laughs> I always have heard that if Andre called you boss, it means he liked you. We shook hands, and that was it. He went on his way, and I went, mind, but that moment had struck with me forever. I felt like I had really made it. Three years before, I was sitting in the crowd in blue spandex watching Andre. Now he's calling me boss incredible. Maybe because he saw you watch, maybe he watched you wrestle. <laughs> Looking back, that was the start of a really intense 10 year roller coaster. Sometimes it felt like the fame just happened overnight. I mean, you're on the road so much, uh, hopping on and off planes, working 300 plus 
days a year, you don't really have any kind of perceptive. Wrestling was kind of a bubble back then, especially before this especially before social media. I remember getting a call from someone at WCW in the early 90s, and they said, Hey, Sting. So Sting wants to meet you. I said, Sorry. E. They said, Yeah, he's coming to play a show in Atlanta, and he wants to meet you. Can you go? I said, Sting from the police? Heck yeah. Oh, God damn it. So, in other words, there's the man known as, uh, <laughs> so, what does that mean? Okay, I guess I'll just explain. So, apparently, the musician, and who's also known as Sting, his real name, I think, is Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner, ends up meeting the professional wrestler, or Sting. <laughs> Hang Real name, uh, Steve Borden. In the, in the crazy matter of British musician meets American pro wrestler, both shared the name Sting. You know what I'm saying? It's so weird. And actually, they're both on social media. The only way you could tell the difference is, is besides they're both verified, if, uh, our boy hey, who's telling the story here. It is verified at Sting. So, in case people were talking about the musician, they need to make sure to clarify putting the words official Sting. Because otherwise, you're tagging in the wrestler. <laughs> and actually, he has proof that it happened. <laughs> and he posted on Instagram. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Actually, he posted this on April 15th, 2018. Because that's what he posted. It's really hilariously. Anyway, I'm sorry I'm laughing, but this is hilarious. This, how two guys both shared the same name. One's from the UK, the other is an American, and uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm like, jeez. Uh, anyway, so continue on saying. So, so harsh thing. Steve says, I, so I got to meet Sting backstage at this concert, and he comes up to me, straight up to me, and with his nice British accent, he says, I got me a nine-year-old son at home, and I went to his room one day, and I saw this bloody poster on this wall, and I said to myself, who is this other Sting fella? I gotta meet this guy. <laughs> Did he just, did, I, I just can't believe, I was like, wait, so, so the musician knew about him because of its nine-year-old son at that time. Oh, 
fruit does. <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of mind-blowing how fast everything happened. By the mid-90s, when the NWO invasion started, we had two young stuns at home. Um, and we're trying our best to shield them from the business and, and kept their lives normal. I guess he was referring to him and his first wife. So, yeah. They actually used to go over to the friend's house and ask why they didn't have any daddy dolls. They thought every family had one of these little stuffed rustling dolls with their dad's face on it. I tried so hard to be home as such must, much as humanly possible. I leave the house, house for the road at l- the last possible minute, but obviously the strain on my family was very real. I was struggling a lot, trying to be a father and trying to be staying at the same time. And for some reason, around 96, I really wasn't sleeping well. Maybe four hours a night, I would start taking a toll on me, and I had to go overseas for something. And I remember I had this little fleeting thought, and that... One little thought ended up taking me down the dark path you could ever imagine. I thought, hey, maybe a painkiller will help me pass out. And the pills were everywhere. Back then, then. Sonwas Vatican, 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 Lord Tab, Muscle Relaxers, whatever. They were floating around like candy. You could take them for pain or pass out on the plane or just have a good time. For some reason, they were never my thing, but I just couldn't sleep and I had a million things going on and I thought, hey, what's the big deal? So when I got to my hotel room, I took a painkiller and drank two beers and I slept like a baby for the first time in months. The thing about painkillers that they sneak up onto sneak up on you they the feeling you get addicted is that moment when your head hits the pillow and you don't have a care in the world it's not so much euphoria uh, that you're chasing it's more like peace at least you think it's peace but it's so 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 deceptive take a little peer pill and beer or three becomes automatic you don't even think about it and then before you know you can't remember the last night you didn't take one so you're in the hotel bar after the show and you sit your buddies no no i'm good tonight i'm taking a break and they look at you like you're crazy and then a and then he all laugh and they said okay stinger whatever you say bro they're here when you need them Then you try to fall asleep and it feels like your brain has an itch that you can't scratch. You can't settle yourself down. You're restless. Your brain is going a thousand miles an hour. You want one of those pills. Tomorrow you won't need it. Tonight though, you killed somebody for that little pill. And so you go and get one just to, just to get through the night. You drink a, 
a glass of wine. You turn on the TV. You nod off watching a movie. And you sleep like a baby. Now you're trapped. Wow, this is so crazy. Anyway, continue on. And believe me, I knew how dark it could get. I saw it all around me. I saw guys drop to the floor and start having seizures. I saw guys get paddles to the chest, clear, and got and get brought back to life. I went to a friend's funerals, but by 1998, I was inconceivable to me stop taking painkillers. The mental and physical addiction was so intense and so deeply that I knew that I was probably going to die, but there was nothing I could do about it. It was, I was just blank. And you know, fans had come up to me over the years and they tell me, your eyes, man, knew how to tell a story with your eyes. I don't know if it was the face paint or the fact I, that I was signed for a lot of the NWO era, but fans seemed to be able to connect me just through through the look in my eyes. I can look at pictures of me front of the front of that time, especially when I switched over to the red and black face paint in the summer of 98 and I can see the complete hopelessness and despair in my eyes it was not an act it was not a character I was lost wow okay where was I okay I remember I remember I'd be backstage for a huge pay-per-view and I'll be at the sink putting on the war paint like I'd done 5,000 times before. In my utter misery, I paint the last black line on my face, and I looked at myself in the mirror and said, It's showtime, folks! That was my cue. Somehow, I would flip the switch. I would be... Stink. I would become stink. I'd go out and try to give the fans everything... I had then as this then as the match as then as soon as the match was over I stepped back and through the curtain painkillers muscles so relaxers booze painkillers muscles relaxers booze painkillers muscles relaxers booze that crud my focus off sorry uh, totally oblivion. That was the only goal. Feel no pain, think no thoughts. Guys would come up to me and talk... Um, guys would come up to me and talk to me about 12 Step or about finding Jesus. And I always say, man, I get that Jesus freak stuff away from me. I don't want to hear it. That entire summer of 98, I was an empty shell of myself. I wanted to live, but I was just in so much despair. I didn't see any way out. And then one day in August 1998, for some reason, I just experienced this miracle. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it, except to call it my moment of truth. Over the years, my wife asked me to tell her truth so many 
times. She wasn't stupid. She knew what went on in the business. She knew about the party and the carols and the carousing and the pills. But I'd become so good at lying that I couldn't make her feel guilty for even bringing it up. But one day, I was home from the road, and she came into the bedroom. Oh, bedroom! Shut the door so the boys couldn't hear. And 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 said, "I know I asked you before, but I'm going to ask you one more time. Have you ever?" And I couldn't know why, but I simply could not lie anymore. I looked in her eyes. I looked in. I looked her in the eyes. I told her everything. She fell in a heap on the floor, crying her eyes out. She couldn't even speak. She couldn't stand up. I had to carry her over to the bed. Words can't do that moment justice. I had betrayed my wife and my kids. I was completely broken. I went into the closet and I got down on my hands and knees and I literally begged God to help me. Begged God to help me. Before that day, I had gone through the motions. I had tagged along with my church. I had tagged along to church with my brother and my parents a few times, and I said that the so-called sinner's prayer. I want God to. I wanted to God to wave his magic wand and fix me. I wanted to be safe from hell. I wanted my fire insurance, but I wasn't sincere. It wasn't real. It wasn't until that moment when I was on my knees in the closet that I fully understand the power of those six timeless words from the Bible. The truth will set you free. There was no more pretending, no more lying. I sincerely cried out to the Lord to save my soul and in and in my utter despair, I felt his grace. It was a profound and supernatural experience. I don't know what else to call it but a miracle. At that point, I was so physically addicted to the opioids that I probably should have been hospitalized and had blood transfusions and a full medical detox. But I quit everything cold turkey. I won't lie to you. It was absolutely excruciating at times, but it just stopped everything that day. And I put my life in the hands of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And trust me, I heard it all. Some fans start rumors that I was in a cult. People said I was brainwashed. Some of the guys looked at me a little funny, but I simply didn't care. This, the guys still try to get me to come out with them after the show. Come on, Stinger, just once. But I would wave them off and tell them, no, can't, no, can't do but you guys are welcome to come up to my room for some Bible study and a little milk and cookies. <laughs> uh, it's hard to believe that was nearly 24 years ago. I've been, I have been sober ever since. Somehow, at 62 years old, I'm still in, still in this wonderful business. I'm still putting on the war paint. I'm still getting butterflies right before the show. I'm still doing what I love. Love. There are definitely days when I'm putting on my boots and I feel 
every bit of 62, believe me. And then there are days when everything was, everything is clicking. And the building is electric. I still feel like I'm 22, heading out east in the teapot with Jim, wondering, what does this crazy world have, have in store for us? The coolest part of art for me is that my kids get to get such a huge kick and seeing their dad on TV still flying through the table, especially my daughter Grace. Shh, Gracie. She was born a couple years after I got sober and she completely missed all the WCW stuff. It's only since I joined AEW that she really started to poke around YouTube and understand my career. Because of social media, she starts seeing all these old clips, and now she's so into that she'll text me every match like a regular fan and would text me. You really beat him up, Dad. He was trying to diss you, and you brought it tonight. You're the man. Aww. <laughs> AEW gave me the ability to write a, a proper final chapter, not just for me, but for my family. And so I want to be a little bit of beacon for the young men and women in this dressing room, if I can be. If they want me to be, I don't go, if they want me to be, be I don't go around preaching, but I've seen my share of darkness. So anything I can do to be a light for the next generation of wrestlers, I'm happy to do it. For me to be able to work with guys like CM Punk and Darby Allen, guys who are just so passionate about wrestling and so meticulous about everything they do. I mean, that's priceless. Darby hardly ever wants to take off the Darby hardly ever wants to take the paint off. I had to remind him when we go through the airport sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Darby is Darby. He breathes this business. And it was actually Punk who reminded me of some of these old stories about Rick and Jim in the old days. He came up to me backstage in one of my first days in AEW. And he's such a student of history that he just wanted to pick my brain a bit. And I remember he told me, I'm sorry, but I'm going to bother you every day. I got so many more questions. It really touched me because back in the day, if you if we saw a sixty year old tube guy backstage, it usually a oh man, get the old timer out here. Your day, you had your day, old man. <laughs> uh, but for what reason? The mentality is so different. The first few times I was backstage, more than a few guys came up to me and handed me their phones with a big smile on their face. You see this little six or seven year old kid dressed up as Stinger for Halloween. Black and white face paint, trench coat, the dark scowl on her face, big bag of Halloween candy. They say, that's me. The paint will come off for three days. <laughs> uh. But the best one uh, was probably Isaiah Cassidy. He showed me this picture from WCW autograph signing like 20 years ago. He must have been about five years old, and he's standing next to me with a huge smile on his face. He said, man, you're the reason why I got into wrestling. 
Bro. <laughs> no way, Isaiah. Homie, what the heck? <laughs> it's kind of leads you speechless. Somehow, with whatever I was doing, I was able to transmit a little bit of magic through the TV and reach this little kid growing up in Brooklyn. These are the moments that stay with you forever. The pay-per-views and the belts and the big draws are all great, but what sticks to in your heart is when someone looks you in the eyes and tells you, I know this is cr- probably going to sound crazy, but I feel like I know you. I was built woolied as a kid, and you helped me get through junior high. Or maybe it's, I know this is, sounds crazy, but me and my dad used to sit down together and watch you on TV every Monday night. Wrestling was the only relationship we ever had. People come up to me in all the time with tears and eyes, and they say, I know this sounds crazy, but you know what? It's not crazy at all. The, that's the secret of wrestling, if there is one. Rick had it totally right. You have to give them everything you had with every fiber of your beat in, because you Get it back tenfold. Even when I was at my absolute lowest, whenever I was walked through that curtain, I feel that war, that magic, that connection. There's no faking it. None in this business. Not in this lifetime. Sting. Oh, wow. So, I guess that's much it. I mean, it's really much about summarize about Sting's career and I guess from his early days especially when he went to wrestle for uh, Jeff Jarrett's father's wrestling comp- wrestling promotion to be um, to get the chance to wrestle and like to WCW and then even though not mentioning of Impact Wrestling or, or his little dirty stint but, you know, ended up with AEW. You know, that's really wholesome. And I'm and I'm very much glad Ed, that uh, Sting shared that. Um, and actually, I will say something about this. Um, if you guys didn't know, um, actually, I have a weird story to tell. I don't know what time it was. I don't know what I was doing. But one night, I think... I was going through the channels, and next thing you know, I see, uh, I think it was Sting, and I forget who is he talking to. Um, I don't know, maybe it was Shawn Michaels or Ric Flair? I think it was one of them. Um, no, it was Shawn Michaels. Yeah, it was definitely Shawn Michaels. I think it was Sting and Shawn Michaels were talking about their how they found God and stuff. And I was like, what the heck? I'm like, you guys are wrestlers. I'm like, I think that's what it is. It was some cable TV show. I don't know. It was very weird to me. But, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's really hilarious that hearing about this. But, I was surprised that hearing what uh, happened with Sting. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, there's photos of 
him actually at the uh pl- photos from the uh Players Tribune and where uh there were a lot of uh st- stuff going on but yeah and you know and I will say this to this day I mean I'm more in in shock at that uh, Sting actually still I mean he's still wrestling to this day and you know and I don't and I'm surprised he's still good for his age I mean I'm just saying that as a nice thing to say about it um you know you know things happening like about his family the it really and even though it, oh, it was like going down sad and then next thing you know oh, it ends up with like happiness and stuff with now him being in AEW and his daughter or Gracie finding about what he's up to and whatnot. It makes me feel good about that. And sure enough, yeah, I know Sting's been wrestling a lot. I mean and I mean he's still and he's still good for his age. I mean, jeez. Um it's crazy and easy enough how this is happening, but you know, it's crazy. So yeah, if you guys want to check it out, uh, you can look through the Players Tribune. I'm sure it's up there. And once again, I want to give a shout out to Mega Ran for sharing this. I just really want to have a chance to see this for myself, and I do want to talk about it through the podcast because, I mean, a lo- so I mean, I had heard some stuff about Sting doing all this kind of stuff, but I just really want to know much of it. And yes, I'm yes, he did mentioning about the about the late Ultimate Warrior where he where they both were actually uh tag team partners before they ended up going several ways when uh, the Ultimate Warrior I think he landed in uh WWE and uh and that sting, you know, him being at WCW and then, uh, sorry, WCW to, uh, a- to impact to, uh, uh, t- to daily to, now being AEW, it's a lot for Sting. I mean, seriously. And yes, if you guys didn't know, yeah, when when Sting, uh, how do I explain this? When Sting was ended up went into uh, Impact Wrestling, I guess what happened was he was, I guess, fighting himself of, of when WCW went shut down, but he did show up like I guess in Impact Wrestling where he mostly tries to rage war at least against Jeff Jarrett. It was pretty hilarious, I guess. It, and yes, he did hang then the Raptors and it was funny. And then when I heard he was in Dota, he was like, oh, crap. But now him being in AEW, heck yeah. <laughs> 
And now being and he, and it, going from being the Ultimate Warriors tag team partner, like Ultimate Warriors tag team partner to, uh, I mean, having yeah. Let me just put this right. Um, first thing to be in tag team partners with. Uh, the ultimate, the late Ultimate Warrior to be in tag team partners with Darby Allen. It's like really crazy. I mean, I hear about this about that, and yeah, if you guys didn't know, uh, <laughs> if you guys didn't know, uh, Sting and the Ultimate Warrior were known as a tag team, call themselves the Blade Runners. There's. And it was crazy. But, yep. And it was crazy, I guess. Anyway, I'm reading a Wikipedia entry about this. And it says here, The Blade Runners was a professional wrestling tag team consisting of future superstars Steve Borden and Jim Helwig that existed in 1985 and 1986. Their look was from the new wave music scene with black eye paint and spike hair with a rat tail. Warden's bleached blonde and and Helwig's dyed black. The two men would go on and to individual success under the ring names of Sting and the Ultimate World, respectfully. So, yeah. So apparently they were known as the Blade Brothers, uh, the Power Team USA, the Freedom Fighters, uh. Jim was known as the Blade Blade Runner Rock Freedom Fighter Justice. Yes. And that yeah, that's the ultimate warrior. And Sting was known as Blade Runner Sting Freedom Fighter Flash. Flash. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so, so I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" So it gone from being known as Blade Runner Stain to the the men they call Stain, not the icon Stain. <laughs> So, yeah, crazy. So. <laughs> and I'm just reading some more stuff. But anyway, I guess you could say is, I guess thing had changed a lot over the years. But, you know, he's all happy where he's at, and especially in, in AEW. Which apparently, um, he's going to retire here 
probably when he's done. Which have we had before? <laughs> yep. So, I wanted to let you guys know, I was on Twitter when all of a sudden I see uh, Big E laying in down and I find out he, he his neck, he has his neck heck, right is on and I was wondering what the heck happened. So, apparently, I decided to find out and it says here from the New York Post, written by Alec Gierty, Says the article says, Steady Star Big E suffers broken neck during SmackDown. Um, it's Steady Superstar Big E broke his neck during Friday night's episode of SmackDown in Birmingham, Alabama. Big E, whose real name is Ettore Ewin, was in the midst of a tag team match against Sheamus and Ridge Holland when he suffered the devastated injury. The 36-year-old wrestler landed on his neck during Holland's botch overhead suplex maneuver outside the ring. Television cameras captured the scary scene. Big E's new day tag team partner, Kofi Kingston, continues with the match while Duddy's medical staff tend to sub- tend to the injured superstar. Right. The former Duddy champ gave the crowd the thumbs up as he was transported backstage on the stretcher during a commercial break. Big E, who's had been with the Duddy since 2009, reassured where he fans that he's feeling alright in a message while he sported a, sported a neck brace. I can't thank all of you beautiful people enough for all your messages, all your concerns and your messages. Big E said, it's very heartwarming. I can move all my digits. You see that? At, that's nice. That's always a good thing. Thanks feels fine, but unfortunately they tell me my neck is broken. So there's that. I'm going to be alright. I'll be good. Don't worry. Go to sleep. Don't worry Don't worry about old me. But for real, thank you. I appreciate you all. Denny Superstars addressed Big E's brutal injury on Twitter, which in the, a speed recovery for the Denny mainstay. One of the best humans in the world, the current Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, said, I'm hoping you been keeping it, it's a secret that you have Wolverine-esque healing powers. Thinking of you. Love you, E. Sending you much love, Evan Light, E. Heal well, my friends. The day you all favorite, Nikki Bella. Um, so, Yeah. So, I know most of you guys are going to... So, yeah, that's what I found out. I was wondering, uh... Wait, isn't he on Raw? I don't know. Anyway, so, yeah, I... So, Biggie is in the... <laughs> in the... Uh, so, Biggie ends up in the hospital. I guess he and Kofi are teaming up. I guess Austin Creed hit... Mr. King of the Ring, uh, 
Xavier Woods is MIA. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, Rich Hall. So, Rich Holland is, like, really getting, I don't know, you might get heat for this. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm really much shocked about hearing about this, but I just really want to know what the heck was going on. But, anyway, um. What happened with Big E really was really awful. And what happened, and I think that my guess is Ridge should go back with the training and, you know, and perfect what he has as and make sure he does better. Now, um, now I, I know it's very weird what happened with, uh, with, uh, Seamus doing all that and teaming up with Ridge. Um, of course, I found out there was also something weird about Seamus when they decided to bring a guy named Butch in, which is actually uh, Pete Dunn, which apparently, once again, proves Duddy's uh, creative talent is very stupid. Now, I know the article did not, even though I noticed the New York Post did not mention that article, it's not just uh, about Daddy's uh, talent, but actually, I can fill it in. It's not just Daddy's uh, talent, but also there's from AEW, and I think some other wrestlers did tweet at him, but I can tell. And the reason why is, um,. The reason why is they everybody likes him so much, and on top of that, they were very nice towards. Um, I mean, the reason why they're being nice to him is because they were because of him being nice towards. Uh, uh, Brody. Huber, aka Negative One. Um, the reason why is if you haven't heard about the um about. If you didn't recall, because I've read it in um, an episode of For the Podcast, uh, the Players' Tribune, w with when uh, when I read, was about Amanda Huber's uh, whole entire, uh, nearly almost her life, if and her late husband, uh, Brody Lee. John Huber, a.k.a. Mr. Brody Lee. And it was really just... It was really gone from high to lows and everything in between. And what happened was when... Uh, when uh, John was about to pass away, uh, Amanda needed help to talk to she needed help because it was hard for her to tell her son about that her dad is about to that his dad was going to die. So apparently, if you guys don't know, um, Amanda turned to two guys. One of them being Big E and the other one was Cody Rhodes. They both came and talked to him and helped him ease the pain. Pain. And it was really, really sad. And, but 
it was her it hurt the kid the most. But Amanda decides to soften the blow for it and they have the two most closest people that he knows of of and it was really hard. Now I know there are fans out there who are going to criticize me for saying, well, that can't be right. I mean, Big E wrestles for WWE and Cody, you know, around the time he was in AEW. Yeah, I know that. But at the same, but you got to know where Amanda's coming from. She needs somebody to help her or soften the blow to telling, uh, Telling Brody that his dad died, and how could you say that to a, a kid, and who isn't much ready to hear this kind of news? And bad enough, how can you explain this? I mean, seriously. <laughs> so that's why she turned to to uh, Big E and Cody, and I don't blame Amanda for doing the right thing. And I mean, how could she? explain to this. I mean, especially to have the kid who would feel so upset. And the only two people, the only two men that Amanda trusted, and one of them is, you know, Daddy. So, so, yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure Amanda's pretty bummed out that uh, her friend is hurt, so yeah. So, take it, so understand, take this from what I'm just explaining. And as for Biggie, I'm hoping you recover the best you can, because I know that's gotta hurt. And I know he said, don't worry about little me, um, <laughs> I'm glad you're fine, <laughs> but everybody is wishing you to through speedy recovery. And it's any wrestler, no matter what wrestling company or they're from, they just want you to recover. Because, after all, you are the reason why Amanda had to tell, try to expl- you're the reason why that you told Brody a, a Huber that his dad died. And yeah, it was crazy. But I'm glad. I mean, it was hard to explain, you know? <laughs> yep. Now, I know I should I should have saved that later, but actually I do want to end this off with talking about a really debacle that is Seamus is bringing in a new guy before uh, he and Rich... Uh, Holland ended up be ended up getting ridiculous in a match against uh, the New Day. Um, but anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, <laughs> it turns out that somebody got somebody ends up going up to uh, now is part of SmackDown and and Sheamus introduced him as Butch, and I find out it's. Pete Dunn and I'm like, ew, oh, I'm like, really, Daisy? That's 
Are you going to... This is the lowest point of choosing first learn names. Because your refuse is to... I don't know. Uh, get Pete's uh, name to be uh, trademark number one. And give it to him, number two. Because you have to pay him. And on top of that... <laughs> why the name Butch, y'all? I mean, that's not Pete, you know? It's like a terrible name for him. And, and, and it's not just that. I mean, it's been the it's been all crappy since since they called Claudio Castanoli and Chris Hero, oh Antonio Cesaro and Cassius Ono, or most likely Cesaro and Cassius Ono. Even though it was the most ridiculous thing to call these these two class athletes who are used to be tag partners and whatnot. You know, it's crazy as heck, man. <laughs> I feel sorry for Pete that his name's getting changed like this. I mean, what, I think maybe, I don't know, it's just terrible. It's like the lowest point. I mean, let's not forget what they did to poor Walter. <laughs> they changed his name to Gunther uh, and Twitter goes, the wrestling, the Twitter on the, the wrestling community on Twitter went completely crazy. Or actually known as the, uh, uh, the internet wrestling community actually is also known as, uh, they went completely crazy. See, half of it thought it was uh, about the one thing and the other they're thinking, oh, you know, that guy from the show Friends. I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, seriously. Again, why can you let him be known as Walter? It's really ridiculous. Uh, you know, you know, that's, that's really causing so much in trouble. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the worst, especially if what's going on for poor Pete. I mean, I feel sorry for him. Oh, and by the way, it, 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 not only that, he sh he's, he's act what happened was when I saw um him, what happened was I saw him, and he looks weird, or worn, looked like he's part of, I don't know, something. But, you know, it's it's just weird as can be. Daddy always gets so weird about things, and changing names, and it's like, it's not good enough. So, <laughs> it's a nice one, Daddy. Go chalk one back up to the draw board for creative. Back <laughs> uh, to the draw board, creative. That's the dumbest thing you ever come up with. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, yeah, not just Cesaro or Cassius, oh no, or Gumpha or. Butch, oh, let's not forget calling P Miss Piper Niven Dewdrop. Ugh. Or Thea Trinidad, Zelina Vegas. Ugh. Man, how many work names work names are gonna be are out there that he comes up with that are very much terrible? I mean, 
except for well, well, except for Austin, well, except for Austin Creed, because he's laughed to be calling himself Austin Creed on Twitter or on uh, G Four on up up down down, but when he's wrestling, it's Xavier Woods. Really? Boo! Hey. Oh, hell, King Austin Greed, the man and the legend, and the one who teamed up with Jay Lethal and won the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Titles. The man who won the Tag Team Titles with Kofi Kings and a Big E. Hail, hail, King Austin Greed. The man that... Sh- the man should I keep his own YouTube channel if he leaves. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> there you go, guys. It's crazy, isn't it? Okay, so I'm gonna end this uh episode of the Pro Wrestling Fan Vlog Podcast. And I will let you guys know if there's anything else to talk about in the next episode. Um, I'm going to take a little break for now because I'm going to also try to wrap up. I'm going to start up working on more episodes of the Anything Else to Add podcast with Lindsay Rogers, which is also my, that is my second podcast. Um... Where I talk more stuff going on that doesn't have to do much about pro wrestling, but it also deal with other stuff. But anyway, I hope you all do understand that. Um, if you can, want to support the podcast, check my other podcast out, and uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoy this as much, and I'm very. I'm just very sad that what happened to Big E. I know that it was it was very ugly, but it was probably not meant to be. It's probably not not meant to be. And Ridge Ridge Holland should uh, go back and back to the Diddy Performance Center and just you know practice uh, without hurting anybody. Hey. You know. (laughs) Thank you all for listening, and I will see you soon. Till then, bye for now.